Would you remain standing? If you have a Bible, I want you to go to Psalm chapter 4. We're in our series called Restful. Restful. Living restful in a restless world. Whew, that sounds good, doesn't it? Oh man, who doesn't want that? I want that. And uh, we are looking at our four core values during the series. So if you're brand new, you came at a great time because we're looking at our core values. And last week we talked about our core value of healing, that God doesn't want to hurt you. God wants to heal you. That he, he, he loves you. That uh, there's this thing about the anger of God, but, but God doesn't want to pour out anger. God actually uses the anger that he has is actually for our, our good. And if that doesn't make sense to you, you got to go back and listen to the podcast uh, or, or the, uh, online. You can check out last week's service. But it's this idea that God wants to overwhelm you with his love. He loves you unconditionally, even in your mess. So I want you to think for just a moment about this past week. Where did God show up and where did you see his unfailing love? It might have been when you were reading the scriptures and one jumped out at you and you just sensed the love of God. It might be in a relational interaction. It might be in a, a breakthrough that you experienced. Or it might just be a moment you had where all of a sudden, God just, you felt the love of God. I want you just to turn to somebody near you in your section, your area. I want you to share for just a moment, where did God show up this week and show you his love? Share that with somebody for a moment. So as we continue this series called Restful, we're, we're again looking at our, our four core values. So if you're brand new, here's what Core Church is all about. This is why we exist. This is what it is all about, okay? Hope for the heart. Say this with me. Healing for the soul, peace of mind, and purpose in the world. Now, we didn't just make that up. We got that right out of Scripture. Uh, we look to the Scriptures for everything we do. You should look to the Scriptures for everything. You should not make a decision in your life without looking to the Scriptures. That's where you say Amen. Yeah, you got, I mean, you do. This should be foundational. I don't know why anybody would ever go out and just go, yo, I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to change jobs. I'm going to get married. And never like look at the word of God and say, what would God have to say about this? And so the well, same thing is true with everything we do as a church. And, and so this comes straight out of the words of Jesus. And if you're, you're new to church and you're new to the whole church thing and Jesus thing, like what is it God's asking? Like what does God want out of me? Like, what, what, what am I supposed to be doing in this life? Here it is, Matthew 22. Jesus was asked that question. He said, okay, it's pretty simple. Four things. Love God with your heart, your soul, your mind. And a second's pretty important. That is love your neighbor as yourself. And that right now in America, we kind of need to be working on that last one. Come on, right? We got we to gotta, gotta, gotta get work on, on that one. And that's where we get our mission as a church and what drives us. We exist so that people will discover and find the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose of Jesus. Like everything that we experience, we want that for our, our world. So that's what this series is about. So today we're talking about peace and Psalm chapter 4. We're going to be looking at David. David wrote this psalm, and if you're new to church, David was the guy who killed that giant Goliath. He became king of Israel. But he had this son, Absalom. And Absalom uh, was a pretty good-looking guy. People really liked him. And Absalom had this hunger for power, so much so that he rallied the nation of Israel against his dad 
And he did a coup attempt, and he was successful, and he ran his dad off. He ran David out of the nation. Hard to imagine this even happening, but he did. And so many scholars, and there's still some contention about this, whether this is exactly what this psalm is about, but many scholars believe that David wrote this psalm as a response to what happened during that time period when his own son came up against him, and he was running for his life. Absalom wanted to kill his dad. I don't get that, but that's what was going on. And he says this in Psalm chapter 4. This is the words of David. Answer me when I call to you, O God, who declares me innocent. Free me from my troubles. Have mercy and hear my prayer. How long will people ruin my reputation? How long will they make groundless accusations? How long will you continue your lies? Obviously talking about the people, his son and people rallied against him. He said, you can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for Himself. The Lord will answer when I call to Him. And He says, don't sin by letting anger control you. It's it's as if He's saying this to His own Son. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight. Remain silent. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit. Trust the Lord. How many of you parents have said that over your children? I know even as adults, we have parents, older parents that are still speaking that over us as adults, and it's good to have that in our lives. This is many people say, who will show us better times? Let your face smile on us, Lord. He says this, you have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. Right in the middle of his brokenness, right in the middle of being overwhelmed, right in the midst of everything going wrong, David turns his praise to the Lord. That's what we did, by the way, just a few moments ago. And we learned that from the Scriptures. And that's why David was able to press forward. That's why David was able to do the things he did because he wouldn't get caught up in the issues and the struggles and let that overwhelm him. He turned his attention back to God and said, oh yeah, you love me. Oh yeah, you are for my good and you are all powerful and you are fighting on my behalf. Amen? In peace. This is the, I, I actually read this verse every night before I go to bed. I discovered this earlier this summer and it hangs in my bathroom. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. Who could not use that right now? For you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. God, thank you for your spirit being in this place. And we ask that your power be evident in all of our lives. And the work that you want to accomplish today would be done uh, through the power of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, all right, now you can sit on down. Well, right now, uh, we are all experiencing a lot of stress and tension, are we not? I mean, it's like everyone is on edge, and everybody has their breaking point. You know, we, we all have that, that, you can only go so far, and, and I had my breaking point four weeks ago. Uh, as most of you know, uh, and if you're, you haven't been here, my father-in-law, Russell Larson, passed away four weeks ago, and uh, it was just an unbelievable miracle when we got to be with him because he's a veteran and he was at the Veterans Center. He suffered from dementia. And they weren't letting anyone into the Veterans Center. And my mother-in-law had not seen her husband or touched him in over five months. And now he was in the final moments, literal moments of his life. And he was going to die alone. But we got that miracle call. And the Veterans Center said, we're going to make an exception. You can come in and you can 
you can be with him today. And so we rushed over to the Veterans Center, Laura, myself, and her mom, and we went to the Veterans Center, and we spent all day with him. He, was un- he wasn't awake, he was unconscious, and, but we knew that he could hear us, so we were singing songs over him, uh, reading scripture, and praying, and sharing memories, and it was, it was, it was a brutal day. You know what I mean? It's like brutal and beautiful all at the same time. And it was incredibly exhausting. If you've ever been in a, a moment like that, it, it's very taxing on you physically. Um, it's very taxing on you emotionally and mentally. And we were there all day and didn't leave till almost 11 o'clock because we didn't want to leave. And he wasn't passing and we just were holding on. And, but we went home and finally about 1 a.m. I just I absolutely collapsed into bed. And then at 6, my, my phone rang, and it was the Veterans Center telling us that uh, Russell had died. And so I woke up Laura, and I, we went downstairs because uh, my mother-in-law lives with us and, and just went in and, and just sat on her bed. Just really not a lot of words to say in that moment. A lot of peace, a lot of joy, but a lot of grief. And we sat there, and what was crazy is two hours later, I had to get into my truck, and I had to drive to Dallas, Texas to do a wedding. Normally, I would just say, get someone else to do the wedding, but this wedding was incredibly personal, important to me. It was Jim Bowie's wedding. Some of you know Jim Bowie. He kind of grew up in this church, and uh, he doesn't have a father, and I've just kind of he's been like a son to me, and I just didn't want to miss that, and with Laura's mom's blessing, she said, I want you to go. Please go. This is so important. And it was so hard. I was so conflicted. And, and I, I didn't want to leave my mother-in-law. I didn't want to leave Laura. But I also know I, I needed to be in Dallas. And so I got in my truck and I drove away. And it was just very conflicting. And I'm, I'm, so I'm going down Highway 75. How many of you have been 75 to Dallas? Raise your hand just to get a picture. A lot of us. Many of us have been 75 to Dallas. If you've not, let me educate you a little bit about 75 to Dallas. Y'all been 75 to Dallas. You don't go 75 to Dallas, do you? You don't go 75 miles an hour to Dallas. Because uh, there's small town after small town after small town, speed trap after speed trap after speed trap. There's a welcoming committee at every town. So I am mentally, emotionally, and physically spent. And I'm driving and I'm thinking to myself, Brad, just focus Focus, focus. When you go through these towns, make sure you slow down. And I did. I get to the town, slow down. Get down, slow down. And finally, at one point, I honestly, I was just so overwhelmed by what was taking place, and I was just kind of lost in my thoughts. And before I knew it, I looked up, and (gasps) there, right over here in in the brush, was uh, the welcoming committee. And I looked down, and I was going 65. And I looked up, and the sign said 45. And I was like, well, here we go. He pulls in behind me, and next thing you know, lights. I pull over to the side of the road. I don't even honestly remember what town it was because it's just like a blur to me. He comes up to the car and does his, you know, duty, which is, I I mean, I'm all for that. Law enforcement, I'm for that. He said, you know, I need your license and your insurance, and I get it. I was speeding. I deserved the ticket. But I was, when he came up to the car, I, um, I was just started shaking uncontrollably. And he's kind of looking at me like, you okay, buddy? <laughs> and I was like just shaking. And he said, uh, and so I, I managed to 
to get my license and hand it to him. And he said, I need your insurance. And so I said, okay, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, where's my insurance card? It's in my glove box, but I can't think straight in that moment. And I'm just trying to figure out where it's, I'm saying, give me a second. And it's in my glove box. And I lean over to my glove box and that's when it happened. That was my moment. I completely lost it. I started blubbering like a two-year-old baby. I mean, uncontrollably heaving to a point where I just leaned back and, I, and he's looking at me and he's like, it's just a ticket, buddy. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like just, just give me, I'm, I'm trying to pull it together because I'm like, agree, if I'm a grown man, I'm trying to... <sighs> And I'm like, oh, this is so humiliating. And I'm just like, oh, and I'm trying to get my thing together. And, and, I, I, and I just, and so I'm leaning down in the glove box. And finally, I just pull everything out of the glove box. And I throw it in the passenger seat. And, and at this point, I, you ever been there where you can't even read anymore? Like numbers don't make sense. And I find the insurance cards and I don't even, I, I'm thinking, what year are we in? What month is it? I, and I'm trying to find it. And I just, I can't. And I lean back. And I said, I'm so sorry. I said, this is so embarrassing. And I told him the story. My father-in-law's veteran, a veteran center just passed. I was up all night and then just driving to Dallas. It's like my son. Da, da, da. And I find the card and I just hand it to him. And, and he looks it over. And he hands it back. And he says, I hope you have a better day. We all have our breaking point, don't we? Like for some of us, it's crying. Some of us, it's, it's, it's outburst of anger, uncontrollable anger. For some of us, it's just, I'm just going to withdraw. I'm going to withdraw from everyone around me. For others of us, it's like blubbering like a, in the fetal position like a two-year-old in front of a police officer. I mean, we all, have, we all have our breaking point. David had his breaking point as well. David, in this moment, he's overwhelmed, and somehow he finds peace in the midst of it. Look at verse 8. Again, the last verse, it says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Come on now. We've all gone to bed overwhelmed and stressed about a situation. Have you not? And then you wake up at like 3 a.m. and what are you doing? <gasps> How am I going to fix this? How am I going to solve this? I don't know what I'm going to do. This is not going to work out. This is not going to work out. I don't really know. Nobody has ever gone to bed in, with stress and being overwhelmed, woken up at 3 a.m. and went, bling, I got it. None of us have done that. So is it possible to lie down and sleep in peace with all that's happening around us? I mean, come on, we got a pandemic. We got this volatile election taking place. We've got racial unrest. We've got uh, hurricanes and wildfires. And then you've got your personal problems on top of that. Is it even possible to find peace in the midst of all of this. I was sharing a couple weeks ago about a, a biography I'm reading about Lewis and Clark, and Lewis and Clark were the ones who found the passageway to the Pacific Northwest, and they kept journals, and all along the way in their journals, they would put these entries that just simply said this, we proceeded on. They faced overwhelming obstacles in their path. The harsh weather conditions and unrelenting hailstorms and brutal winters where they could barely have enough rations to feed each other. Bear attacks. People attacking them. But over and over in their journals, they would say this, this happened today, but we proceeded on. 
I'd like for you to write this down. I can press on in peace. I can press on in peace. This is what David did. He's, he's being hunted by his son. He's on the run, false accusations, and yet he pressed on in peace. How was David able to do this? This is just hard to believe. It's there in verse 8. David says he looked to the author of peace. He said, for you alone, Lord, will keep me safe. And I think in this psalm, David kind of shows us how to press on in peace in the face of overwhelming obstacles and struggles. Look back at verse 1. He says this, Answer me when I call, O God, who declares me innocent. Free me from my troubles. Come on, is that anybody's prayer today? Can I get an amen? Like, Free me from my troubles. Have mercy on me. And what? Say these words with me. Hear my prayer. When David was overwhelmed, when trouble was bearing down on him, his first instinct was always to pray. Write this down. I can press on in peace when I press through in prayer. I can press on in peace when I press through in prayer. We panic about the dumbest things sometimes, don't we? Come on, like you lose your phone and you're like, oh no, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't find my phone. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you, and you, you turn into a 15-year-old in that moment. I can't find my phone. I don't know. What, I, my life is over as I know it. I can't exist. I can't drive. I can't work. I can't function. I don't have my phone. You make everybody around you miserable in that moment, do you not? The other day, I was watching this, this video and this talk, and, and this guy said something powerful. And I was like, i got to write that down. And so I was looking for my phone because... I, my, it's not just a phone anymore. I don't know why we call it a phone. And I needed to write it down. And I'm looking all around. And I've got, I'm going to forget what this guy said. And I need to write this down. Where's my phone? I'm looking everywhere for my phone. And then I look down and I'm like, oh, I'm watching the video on my, on my phone. It's okay. I found it, everybody. Sometimes, though, it's, it's very real, is it not? Sometimes there's a relational conflict that you're facing. There's a health crisis. There's a financial obstacle you can't overcome. There's a, a struggle you're facing in your studies at school that you just think is insurmountable. How am I ever going to overcome this? Whenever Laura sees me getting overwhelmed, she'll walk up to me very slowly and she will do this. And I know when she does that, what she wants to do. She wants to pray. And my response in that moment is like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I am going to think on this a little bit longer. Uh, this is not fair. I have the right to be angry. I have the right to be frustrated. No, no. And she just stands there like this. And I know the moment that I reach down and I grab a hold of her hands and we begin to pray the peace of God is going to overwhelm the situation because that's who our God is and that's what he does. But we want to hold on to it, don't we? Like we want to hold on to it because I think we want to hold on to it because we think somehow, some way, if I think about it long enough, I, if I concentrate long enough, if I just focus on it, I can somehow solve it. But here's the problem. You're, you're never going to solve it because you're on the wrong road. Like the, it's like Laura and I, we live at Raleigh Place, 
And there's also a couple blocks over is Raleigh Court. And often a package will end up over there or people who are trying to find our house will be on the wrong street. And I tell you, when you're on Raleigh Court, you are never ever going to end up at our place. And right now in this world, hear me church, in this world right now, people are struggling trying to solve their problems, find their peace, but they're on the wrong road. And they're never going to find the peace that they are looking for. So what is it right now that is robbing you of peace? What is it the thing? This is the thing right now for me that's just got me. I want you to just to stop. I want you to share with somebody next to you what's robbing you of peace right now. Just take a moment and share just with each other. So what David shows us here in this psalm is that prayer is this. Prayer is about trusting that God hears my prayers. That's why so often we don't pray. It's because we just don't trust that He hears. But when you pray, you're saying, God, I, I trust that you hear my prayers, and I trust that somehow, some way, you have the power to free me from my troubles. This is one of our core practices. We have eight core practices that help us to live out these core values. And I want you to write this one down, this core practice of persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. You're going to be talking about this in your core groups this week. Persistent prayer. So many people, they persist in worry. They persist in stress. They persist in fear. But God says the answer is not there. Peace is found in persistent prayer. It's why at our church, prayer is so foundational to everything that we do. We do nothing without prayer. We do it at nausea. I mean, just like, how many more times are we going to talk about prayer? Uh, we're going to keep talking about it. Like, how many times is Brad going to say, write your prayer request on a card? I'm going to keep talking about it because I know the power of prayer. Like, every, when you fill out a prayer card, Every day for 30 days, you have prayer warriors, intercessors that have this gift and ability to pray and have faith on your, behalf to, on, your, on your behalf to beseech God on your behalf. Why would you not take advantage of that? How many times has your faith been rocked? And you're like, I got nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you can go, here, will you carry this for me? I'm telling you, every Friday I am blowing through these prayer requests and I am praying down heaven for all of these people that they will experience healing, they will experience breakthrough, they will experience salvation, on and on. It's one of my favorite things to do. We believe in the power of prayer. It's like why once a month we gather and we do core midweek. It's all about prayer and praying for one another. Right now we're doing it on Facebook Live, but okay. We'll do it on Facebook Live. Somebody told me the other day that their neighbor joined in. Their neighbor doesn't even know Jesus joined in, watched in. I'm like, that's awesome. We gather once a month and we pray because we believe in the power of prayer. We just came through. You guys were praying eight days of prayer and fasting. We believed in the power of prayer. We said, we're going to stop, we're going to pray, and we're going to fast. I've had a practice for over 15 years now where every Friday I fast and I pray. I go away to spend time with God, and I just kind of reflect on where the church has been and 
where the church is going, where we are at, where I'm at, where I have been, where I am going, and, and how I'm leading our congregation. And I take that time every Friday morning, I pray and I fast. And I've done this for over 15 years. It's so important to me. And so what we're going to be doing, though, as a church is I thought, man, right now, if we ever needed to pray, it's now. It's crazy what's happening in our world. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So we're going to, beginning this Friday, we're going to start a Friday fast. And we're going to start praying and fasting as a church. And I want to encourage you to participate in that. Whether that's fasting a meal like I do, or fasting all day, but taking time to say, I'm going to pray for our country. I'm going to pray for this city I live in. I'm going to pray for my workplace. I'm going to pray for my campus. I'm going to pray for my, my family. I'm going to pray for my, my church. But uh, we are going to pray because this is what we believe about prayer. When you pray, God brings an assurance and He brings a confidence. And when I press in and press through with prayer, I will experience peace. Can somebody just say amen for that? So David's son Absalom orchestrates this coup. David is on the run, and he says this in verse 2. How long will you people ruin my reputation? How, how long will you make groundless accusations? How long will you continue your lies? Like, nothing can steal your peace faster than people, Right? Come on, turn to somebody and say, That's, it's not you. It's not you. I promise it's not you. COVID's not the only thing that's contagious. Panic is contagious. If I hear another person say, 2020 is the worst year ever. I just can't wait for 2020 to get over. It's just been awful. Come on, bring on 2021. Is that really how you want to live your life? Because troubles keep coming. 2021 is going to have problems and struggles and issues. But I'm telling you right now, in the midst of all, God's working right now in the midst of all this. Do you think Di Sarat is saying, 2020, I just wish it would have gone, go away and don't come back. She's going to remember 2020 for the rest of her life. Oh, there was a pandemic. Everybody was panicking. Everybody wanted it over. But I'll tell you what, it brought my mom to Jesus. That is a good day. God is working if we will look for Him and watch for Him and see where He is working. Maybe, but you know, here's the thing. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with, uh, with COVID. And maybe, maybe it's like David. You have somebody's been talking about you and somebody's been saying things about you on, on social media and, and somebody has done some things to hurt you. Listen, when David fled, here's the interesting thing. When he fled from Absalom, he didn't flee alone. 600 men went with him. And these 600 men, not only did they go with him, but they, they helped him fight and regain the kingdom. Write this down. I can press on in peace when I press into God's people. I can press on in peace when I press into God's people. So who are you surrounding yourself with? Who, who, who are you listening to? Like who, who right now has your ear? Look, look what David says in verse 3. He says, you can be sure of this. The Lord, say this with me. He what? Set apart. Come on, say it again. He what? Set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. 
Man, this world is a troubled place. Anger, bigotry, violence, injustice, hatred, stress, worry, chaos. Can I give you some good news, church? You have been set apart. You don't have to participate. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them. You don't have to participate. You have been set apart. So my mother-in-law, as I told you, she lives with us, and uh, she's not ever really had a dog, and we have, we have like a small pony, Otis. And he loves Evelyn for some reason, and he loves her room. So he always goes into her room, and then he lays down. And when he lays around the house, he lays around the house. I mean, he takes up the entire room where she can't even move around. And then he's got a drooling problem because he's a Great Dane. So he'll do that shake thing, like this, and it'll go, boom. Usually you're like, whoa, you have to duck it. And she's like, I can't do this anymore. So she went out and got a baby gate. So she walk into her room, and right behind her, she goes, nope. She put up the baby gate. And Otis will come up to the end and be like, hey, we're buddies. Hey. Some of you need to set up a gate. Some of you need to kick some people out of your life. You need to kick some things out of your life. You need to tell people that you do not have access to me anymore. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. I'm not going to participate anymore. I'm not going to be on that social media anymore. I'm not going to be on that news site anymore. I don't need that because guess what? I have been set apart. I can press on in peace when I press into God's people. I can press on in peace when I press into God's people. You need to be surrounded by God's people. This is one of our, our core practices. And it's Write this down. It's godly friendships. I need godly friendships. You need the right people speaking into your life. So many of you this week, you're going to be online in groups. You're going to be gathering in homes in groups. You know I am preaching to the choir on this one. You're getting around people. They are encouraging you. They are lifting you up. They are supporting you. They are praying for you. And listen, this is, this is why you need to be in a group. Not just for yourself, but because somebody needs your voice. Somebody right now is being overwhelmed by voices at their workplace and on their campus and other places, and they need your voice speaking hope, speaking healing, speaking peace, and speaking purpose into their life. Do you have godly friendships in your life? Jesus said this in John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift. Say it with me. Peace of mind and heart. People everywhere are trying to find peace and they are grabbing at anything they can and they are trying to juggle it all and carry it all. Whenever I go to the grocery store, I always think, you know, I'm just going to go in. I don't need a cart. I'm just getting milk and Pop-Tarts. I don't need a cart. I mean, you've been there? Go back. I got the milk. I got the Pop-Tarts. Oh, wait, we needed paper towels. That's right. We need, oh, that's right. We needed a loaf of bread. We needed Tylenol. Walking through, oh, there's the peanut butter. And then you're using your shirt to hold the lettuce. You're trying to make it to the checkout line. This is what the world looks like right now. 
with everything that's happening. They're just overwhelmed. I don't know how I'm, I, I'm trying to, the race and the racial tensions and the, the election and the pandemic and hurricanes and wildfires. And, and then I got my own personal problems and they're just, they don't know where to go. But listen, as the people of God, you have someone on your side. His name is Jesus. And he says, let me carry it for you. I want to invite you to stand and we're going to prepare our hearts for communion and prayer. I just invite you just to think for just a moment. How did God speak to you today? Before we worship, I want you to think about how did God speak to you today? And let's practice this right now. Let's encourage one another. Will you turn to somebody next to you? Say, here's what God spoke to me today. Here's what I heard God say today. Let's encourage one another before we worship.